Volume Two, Chapter Three of *The Widow Barnaby* by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three: Melancholy Meditations, An Eventful Walk, A Pleasant Breakfast, A Comfortable Conversation in a Closet. The slumbers of Agnes that night were not heavy, for she waked while the birds were still singing their morning hymn to the sun, which poured its beams full upon her face through her uncurtained window she turned restlessly upon her little bed and tried to sleep again but it would not do and as she listened to the twittering without so strong a desire seized her to leave the narrow boundary of her little closet and breathe the air of heaven that after the hesitation and struggle of a few moments she yielded and noiselessly creeping out of bed and performing the business of her toilette with the greatest caution ventured to open the door communicating with her aunt's chamber when she had the great satisfaction of hearing her snore loud enough to mask any sound she might herself make in passing through the room in like manner she successfully made her way downstairs and out of the house and her heart beat with something like pleasure as she felt the sweet morning breeze blow from the downs upon her cheek she walked towards the beautiful point on which the windmill stands but alas she was no longer happy enough to feel that the landscape it commanded could confer that sort of perfect felicity which she had before thought belonged to it she sat down again on the same spot where mary lucy james and herself had sat before but with how different a feeling and yet it wanted one whole day of a week since that time what new sorrow was it that weighed thus upon her spirits the good-humoured liking that her new acquaintance then testified towards her had since ripened into friendship at the ball of the preceding evening she had in fashionable phrase met with the most brilliant success she had danced every dance and three of them with the partner that every lady in the room would best have liked to dance with and yet there was a feeling of depression at her heart greater than she had ever been conscious of before how was this could agnes herself tell the cause of it yes if she had asked herself she could have answered and have answered truly that it was because she now knew that the better the more estimable the more amiable the society around her might be the more earnestly she ought to endeavour to withdraw from it this conviction was enough to make her feel sad and there was no need to seek farther in order to discover other sources of sadness if any such there were within her bosom and thus she sat again pulling time from the hillside but it was no longer so sweet as before and she threw it from her like a child who has broken its toy and just reached the sage conviction that its gaudy colouring was good for nothing while indulging in this most unsatisfactory fit of musing the sound of a horse's feet almost close behind startled her but instead of turning her head to see whom it might be she started up and walked onward the horseman however was perhaps more curious than herself for he immediately rode past her nor scrupled to turn his head as he did so to ascertain who the early wanderer might be and even before he had done so agnes knew by a moment's glance at his figure as he passed her that it was colonel hubert he checked his horse and touched his hat and for half an instant agnes thought he was going to speak to her perhaps he thought so too but if he did he changed his mind for looking about in the distance as if reconnoitring his position he pressed the sides of his horse and galloped on a groom presently following agnes breathed more freely thank god he did not speak to me she exclaimed if he had i should have wanted power to answer him never no never can i forget were i to see him every day to the end of my life i should never forget the expression of his face as my aunt barnaby and that dreadful man walked up the room towards the tea-table 
no nor the glance he gave so full of vexation and regret when his kind-hearted sweet-tempered friend asked me again to dance with him proud disdainful man i hope and trust that i may never behold him more it is he who first taught me to know and feel how miserable is the future that awaits me this soliloquy partly muttered and partly thought was here interrupted by her once more hearing the sound of a horse's feet on the turf close behind her he has turned back thought she though i did not see him pass me oh if he speaks to me how shall i answer him but again the horseman rode past and another rapid glance showed her that this time it was not colonel hubert nor did she trouble herself to think whom else it might be and if she had the labour would have been thrown away for in this case as before the rider looked back and displayed to her view the features of major allen he instantly stopped his horse and jumped to the ground then skilfully wheeling the animal around placed himself between it and the terrified agnes and began walking beside her her first impulse was to stand still and ask him wherefore he thus approached her but when she turned towards him to speak the expression of his broad audacious countenance struck her with dismay and she suddenly turned round and walked rapidly and in silence back towards the windmill and the buildings beyond it are you afraid of me my charming young lady said the major with a chuckle again wheeling his charger so as to place himself beside agnes no reason upon my soul how is your adorable aunt tell her i inquired for her and tell her too upon the honour of an officer and a gentleman that i consider her as by far the finest woman i ever saw but why do you run on so swiftly my pretty little fawn your charming aunt will thank me i am sure for not letting you put yourself in a fever and so saying his huge hand grasped the elbow of agnes and he held her forcibly back a feeling of terror greater than the occasion called for perhaps induced agnes to utter a cry at again feeling this hateful gripe which seemed as if by magic to bring her relief for at the same moment colonel hubert was on the other side of her agnes looked up in his face with an undisguised expression of delight and on his offering his arm she took it instantly but without either of them having uttered a word there was something in the arrangement of the trio that major allen did not appear to approve for having taken about three steps in advance he suddenly stopped and saying in a sort of blustering mutter you will be pleased to give my best compliments to your aunt he sprang upon his horse so heedlessly as to render it probable both lady and gentleman might get a kick from the animal and making it bound forward darted off across the down agnes gently withdrew her arm and said but in a voice not over steady indeed sir i am very much obliged to you i am glad to have been near you miss willoughby when that very insolent person addressed you said colonel hubert but without making any second offer of his arm and a moment after he added excuse me for telling you that you are imprudent in walking thus early and alone though clifton on this side appears a rural sort of residence it is not without some of the disagreeable features of a watering-place i have lived always in the country i had no idea there was any danger said agnes shocked to think how much her own childish imprudence must have strengthened colonel hubert's worst opinion of her and her connections nor is there perhaps any actual danger replied the colonel but there are many things that may not exactly warrant that name which nevertheless would be very improper for me oh it was great ignorance great folly interrupted agnes eagerly and never never again will i put myself in need of such kindness has your aunt always lived with you in the country was a question which colonel hubert felt greatly disposed to ask but instead of it he said turning down the windmill hill 
you reside at rodney place i believe and if i mistake not this is the way no sir we lodge in sion row it is here close by do not let me delay your ride any more i am very much obliged to you and without waiting for an answer agnes stepped rapidly down the steep side of the hill and was halfway towards sion row before the colonel felt quite sure of what he had intended to say in return but it is no matter she is gone thought he and taking his reins from the hand of his groom he remounted and resumed his morning ride mrs barnaby had not quitted her bed when agnes returned but she was awake and hearing some one enter the drawing-room called out who's there it is i aunt said agnes opening the door with flushed cheeks and out of breath partly perhaps from the agitation occasioned by her adventure and partly from the speed with which she had walked from the windmill home and where on earth have you been already child mercy on me what a colour you have got the ball has done you good as well as me i think there get in and take your things off and then come back and talk to me while i dress myself agnes went into her little room and shut the door she really was very much afraid of her aunt and in general obeyed her commands with the prompt obedience of a child who fears to be scolded if he make a moment's delay but at this moment a feeling stronger than fear kept her within the blessed sanctuary of her solitary closet she seemed gasping for want of air her aunt's room felt close after coming from the fresh breeze of the hill and it was therefore as agnes thought that the sitting down alone beside her own open window seemed a luxury for which it was worth while to risk the sharpest reprimand that ever aunt gave but why while she enjoyed it did big tears chase each other down her cheeks whatever the cause the effect was salutary she became composed she recovered her breath and her complexion faded to its usual delicate tint or perhaps to a shade paler and then she began to think that it was not wise to do anything for which she knew she should be reproached if she could help it and now she could help it so she smoothed her chestnut tresses bathed her eyes in water and giving one deep sigh at leaving her own side of the door for that which belonged to her aunt she came forth determined to bear very patiently whatever might be said to her fortunately for agnes mrs barnaby had just approached that critical moment of her toilette business when it was her especial will and pleasure to be alone so merely saying in a snappish accent what in the world have you been about so long she added now get along into the drawing-room and take care that the toast and my muffin are ready for me and kept hot before the fire it's almost too hot for fire but i must have my breakfast warm and comfortable and we can let it out afterwards agnes most joyfully obeyed it was a great relief and she was meekly thankful for it but she very nearly forgot the muffins and the toast for the windows of the room were open and looked out upon the windmill and the down a view so pleasant that it was several minutes before she recollected the duties she had to perform at last however she did recollect them and made such good use of the time that remained that when her aunt entered bright in carmine and lilac ribbons everything was as it should be and she had only to sit and listen to her ecstatic encomiums on the ball warm each successive piece of muffin at the end of a fork and answer properly to the ten times repeated question haven't you got a good aunt agnes to take you to such a ball as that at length however the tedious meal was ended and mrs barnaby busied herself considerably more than usual in setting the little apartment in order she made jerningham carefully brush away the crumbs a ceremony sometimes neglected set out her own best pink-lined work-box in state placed the table agreeably at one of the windows with two or three chairs round it 
and then told agnes that if she had any of her lesson bookwork to do she might sit in her own room for she did not want her gladly was the mandate obeyed and willingly did she aid betty jacks in putting her tiny premises in order for she was not without hope that her friend mary would pay her a visit there to talk over the events of the evening an occupation for which to say the truth she felt considerably more inclined than for any lesson-book work whatever nor was she disappointed hardly did she feel ready to receive her before her friend arrived and well carina how fares it with you to-day do you not feel almost too big for your little room after all the triumphs of last night was the gay address of miss peters as she seated herself upon one of agnes's boxes but it was not answered in the same tone nay there was much of reproof as well as sadness in the accent with which agnes uttered triumphs oh mary what a word you are the only one i believe who would quarrel with it did ever a little country girl under seventeen make a more successful debut did ever country girl of any age have more reason to feel that she never ought to make any debut at all my poor agnes said miss peters more gravely it will not do for you to feel so deeply the follies that may and i fear ever will be committed by your aunt and my aunt barnaby it is a sad vexing business beyond all doubt that you should have to go into company with a woman determined to make herself so outrageously absurd but it is not fair to remember that and nothing else you should at least recollect also that the most distinguished man in the room paid you the compliment of joining your party at tea paid me the compliment oh mary and oh agnes can you pretend to doubt that it was in compliment to you and in compliment to whom was it that he danced with you he never danced with me mary said agnes colouring my dear child what are you talking about why he danced with you three times oh yes mr stephenson he is indeed the kindest most obliging and the handsomest partner that you ever danced with is it not so that may easily be mary if by partner you mean a gentleman partner for i never danced with any till last night and it is only saying that he is handsomer than your brother and mr osborne and i think he is and i think so too therefore on that point we shall not quarrel but tell me how did you like the ball altogether did it please you were you amused shall you be longing to go to another let me answer your last question first i hope never 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 again to go to the ball with my aunt barnaby but had it not been for the pain the shame the agony she caused me i should have liked it very much indeed particularly the tea-time mary how pleasant it was before she came with that horrid horrid man shall you ever forget the sight as they came up the room towards us oh how he looked at her agnes shuddered and pressed her hands to her eyes as if to shut out an object that she still saw it was tremendous replied her friend but don't worry yourself by thinking mr stephenson looked at her just then for he really did not you know he was sitting at the corner of the table by me and his back was turned to her thank heaven but i will tell you who did look at her if stephenson did not that magnificent-looking colonel stared as if he had seen an apparition but i did not mind that half so much nor you either i suppose an old soldier like him must be used to such a variety of quizzes that nobody i imagine can appear so preposterous to him as they might do to his young friend by the by i think he is a very fine-looking man for his age don't you who said agnes innocently why colonel hubert his sister who is just married to sir edward stephenson is nearly twenty years younger than he is they say 
twenty years said agnes yes must it not be strange to see them together as brother and sister he must seem so much more like her father her father said agnes yes i should think so but you do not talk half as much about the ball as i expected agnes i think you were disappointed and yet i do not know how that could be you dance beautifully and seem very fond of it you had the best partners in the room danced every dance and were declared on all sides to be the belle par excellence and yet you do not seem to have enjoyed it oh i did enjoy it all the time that she was out of the room playing cards i enjoyed it very very much indeed so much that i am surprised at myself to feel how soon all my painful shyness was forgotten but after all mary though you call your aunt barnaby as if to comfort me by sharing my sufferings she is not really your aunt and still less is she your sole protector still less is she the being on whom you depend for your daily bread alas my dear mary is there not more cause for surprise in my having enjoyed the ball so much than in my not having enjoyed it more my poor agnes this is sad indeed said mary all her gaiety vanishing at once for it is true do not think me indifferent to your most just sorrow would to heaven i could do anything effectually to alleviate it but while you are here at least endeavour to think more of us and less of her wherever you are known you will be respected for your own sake and that is worth all other respect depend upon it when you leave us indeed i shall be very anxious for you tell me dear agnes something more about your aunt compton is it quite possible that you should be placed under her protection oh yes she would not hear of it she paid for my education and all my other expenses during five years and my aunt barnaby says that when she undertook to do this she expressly said that it was all she could ever do for me they say that she has ruined her little fortune by lavish and indiscriminate charity to the poor and aunt barnaby says that she believes that she has hardly enough left to keep herself alive but i sometimes think mary that i could be very happy if she would let me work for her and help her and perhaps give lessons in silverton i know some things already well enough perhaps to teach in such a remote place as that when better masters cannot be procured and i should be so happy in doing this if aunt compton would but let me live with her then why do you not tell her so agnes because the last the only time i have seen her for years though she kissed and embraced me for a moment she pushed me from her afterwards and said i was only more artful than aunt barnaby and that i should never be either graced or disgraced by her those were her words i shall never forget them and she has the reputation of being immovably obstinate in her resolves that does not look very promising i must confess but wisdom tells us that the possibility of future sorrow should never present our enjoying present happiness now i do think dear agnes that just now you may enjoy yourself if you like us as well as we like you for we are all determined to endure aunt barnaby for your sake and in return you must resolve to be happy in spite of her for ours and now adieu i want to have some talk with mamma this morning but i dare say you will hear from me or see me again before the end of the day farewell and miss peters made a quiet exit from the closet and from the house for she had heard voices in the drawing-room as she came up the stairs and now heard voices in the drawing-room as she went down and having business in her head upon which she was exceedingly intent she was anxious to avoid being seen or heard by mrs barnaby lest she should be detained End of chapter three